the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Four oh seven straight up on the Central Coast. It is Monday, February fifth, two thousand twenty-two. I'm Dave Congleton, two thousand twenty-four. Hello. Uh, just wishing it was still twenty twenty-two. Uh, just back from vacation. Good to be with you. In about an hour, we have Sam and Aaron Cotton, father and son. Is our love affair with the electric vehicles over? And why don't we have the infrastructure to support it? Susan Hoffman talks books at six oh five. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. As I mentioned earlier, I want to spend some time this week on the so-called Border Patrol Act of 2024. It's not just about the border. It's about humanitarian aid. It's about our future support of Israel, our future support of Ukraine. This is all linked together. There's also national security concerns here, which is why... I instantly thought of our good friend and regular contributor, Professor Armstead. He's back with us again. Professor, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dave. And don't forget the $5 billion for the Pacific Rim nations, also in that $118 billion bill. This is a pretty comprehensive piece of legislation. Without getting too deep into the weeds, Professor, let's bring people up to speed. In essence, what is the Border Patrol Act of 2024? This is a $118 billion omnibus security bill. It looks at internal security, hence the border, and external security. It is a revamping of the asylum system where we have hopefully sufficient officers to both police the border and to review the asylum cases so that you get the temporary answer get the asylum consideration within a few days and within um, several weeks that you will get a final answer. If you get the, the temporary admission into the country under asylum, get a temporary to right away. It also has for Israeli security, for Ukrainian security and weapons, in addition to money for human humanitarian relief for Gaza, and as I mentioned, over $5 billion, uh, for our allies in the Pacific Rim. Why, why is all this linked together? Why not just deal with the border? Why throw in... It's the, Go ahead. the national security priorities of the administration looks at all of the things uh, the administration thinks it needs to do to press its defense priorities and then funds those together. It's, it's, it's how we work, these, these things. Mm. This, is, this is nothing unusual. The unusual part is that the border has been the hang-up between Republicans and Democrats, and that's for 30 years. This has been an issue for 30 years, but it's a huge influx of people that uh, in record numbers we haven't seen before. That's the result of economic and political problems in South and Central America. So 
So it's not that the Biden administration or before that the Trump administration or the Obama or the Bush administrations, plural, and Clinton have done anything to change the program. The system was set up for a certain amount of people to be able to uh, to come into the country. If you're getting five to 10,000 illegal entries per day, the system wasn't designed to deal with that. Hmm. Well, that's the second part of the opening question then, Professor, is the idea that we can't look at the border situation in isolation without looking at the larger global situation. So, for example, there's you're, an article... You're stealing out, my lines. Sorry. Uh, just today, there's a big article that of the people trying to come across the border into Mexico, there's a surprising number of Chinese immigrants that they're yes, coming to Mexico... In the entire world. It's not just South and Central America. But there are more immigrants today than we've ever had in human history. I mean, this isn't just a U.S. problem on the Texas border, on the Arizona border, on the California border. This is a worldwide problem. If you think about our news from Europe, if you watch France 24 and DW, you will notice they talk about the immigrants coming across the Mediterranean. They talk about immigrants coming from Turkey. Uh, this is going on all over the world, from from poorer to richer nations, from politically stable nations to uh, politically more stable nations, we are seeing vast influxes of populations that are seeking redress of all the things that cause human misery. And one of those ways of seeking redress is you go to a better place. I want to this right now for they're hungry, they're, they're undergoing repression uh, for ethnic, religious reasons, they're, uh, uh, they're, they're difficulty with the economic situation in in my own country what do i do with my family I, the first thing i can do i can take them someplace that's better and we're seeing that uh dr james armstead is uh talking to us about the ongoing controversy around the proposed border patrol act of 2024 and obviously that situation is not likely to change as there's so much disruption throughout the rest of the world we would expect to see these patterns increase, would we not? That is correct. And nothing we do with this bill or any other bill is going to change the outside pressure. This just helps us deal with the situation at the border that we've got. We are still going to have to work with our Mexican allies. We're going to have to work with the countries in Central America, many of which in Nicaragua, uh, for example, uh, Costa Rica. uh, Everything but Belize down there is suffering some kind of problem. And certainly Panama... Uh, the, the difficulties there, the Darien Gap is, is, is open, that people can come across literally from anywhere. It isn't policed because it's so dangerous physically coming through this, this uh, 60 miles of jungle or so. Uh, and, of course, South America, we're looking at the, the fires in South America, the, the, the elections we've had in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the, the problems are just, it, it's rife with problems, the entire, and, of course, we don't world is like and it's all interrelated it's all interrelated absolutely we have to work on some of those things help people settle problems in their own country they're willing to stay home yeah. all right. if you don't help them settle those things then you're going to get the the crisis at your border or on the sea in the mediterranean south of europe uh, these, these are going to be problems that uh, that exist everywhere in the world we have much discussed with professor armstead when we come back let's talk about 
why the Border Patrol Act of 2024 has become so controversial and why it's in trouble in Congress. You're listening to Hometown Radio for the Central Coast. It is the Dave Congleton Show. Happy Monday. We will welcome your phone calls for Professor Armstead after news at the bottom of the hour as we begin a series of conversations we're going to have this week about the Border Patrol Act of 2024. This legislation is uh, being debated in Congress as we speak. As uh, we come back with Professor, um, it looks like Mitch McConnell has come out supporting the border deal. Professor, also the National Border Patrol Association supports it, but I guess some people don't. Both on the left and the right. Well, in many ways, the, the, the and here's the unusual thing about this that maybe we want to start with in terms of of looking at the bill technically coming through the process. Normally, bills start in the House. That, that's that's the, the normal way, and the House will discuss it. You know, the, the appropriate committee that that policy. They come up with something that's a general idea that goes over to the Senate, though casually. It goes over to the Senate. The Senate will start working on something similar. When they get formalized, they go through the committee process. Maybe a bill goes through two or three committees, depending on what the subject is. Then they pick, it goes to the floor in both sides. Passes on the floor, uh, and you get something, something with some meat on it. It's got the general idea of where you want to go with the legislation. You do go through the policy process with the administration. goes to a conference. The conference committee is, has some members of the House, members of the Senate, and they try to reconcile the bills where they're different. So then they come to something that's a joint bill, goes back, and each, each House then votes on, uh, on the process, and you have law. That's the normal process. This bill, because nothing has happened with this Congress, in almost in any area, very little leg- – this is the least amount of legislation that was passed since the 19th century, since the year, year 1900. Least amount of legislation passed by a Congress. And that's, you know, that, that's more than, what, 55, uh, 50, 56, 57 Congresses. So what's happened here is the Senate – went to work because nothing was happening in the House on where could we put together Republicans and Democrats, come up with a bill that satisfies the needs that, that both uh, seem to have with their own priorities and would be supported by the administration. The international law deals with this, and it essentially says you have to have a process of asylum if somebody shows up at your border. It doesn't tell you what you do, but a process for asylum. So our law recognizes that. We take people in who claim asylum, and then we review the case. Do you have a reasonable cause for asylum? Is there a threat, an unlawful threat, against your life, either from the government or from private sources within the place you come from? They so can't asylum and want a better job. That, that's, we have a process for that. You apply in your country, you get a number, you get on the list, and you know eventually you'll 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 get in. Well, 
it's the asylum that's the real problem that we're dealing with. It's people have overwhelmed that system, and we aren't able to, to get through it in a reasonable amount of time. Hmm. Now, that takes administrative law judges. So these are GS-15s, 14s, 15s, 16s, who will, uh, who will sit and listen to the asylum claim, look at the evidence, determine whether or not you should get in. So that system needs to be beefed up. You need officers, uh, patrol officers. It, and you need these administrative law judges in much larger numbers to be able to handle the numbers of people we're seeing arriving at our gates. So that's that part of the system. Now, the Border Patrol agents themselves will tell you when you talk to them that one of the big problems we have with immigration, dealing now asylum and the regular immigration process, is that people who arrive temporarily, and not all of this is at the border. There are people in, in fancy suits and first-class tickets on airplanes that get off, they get a tourist visa, and they disappear. They've got a visa for six months. They're not allowed to work. They come in. They have so much money. Right. We let them stay for six months, and we, we never see them again. So they are in the system. We think there there may be you know six to eight million, ten million possibly people who are in the country illegally. But they're not all poor people crowding at the border claiming asylum. There are all kinds of things that are wrong with the system that it needs to be beefed up. Right. This bill attempts to do that. And it's been going for a long time. We've been concerned. The Senate put this together, and they thought we, we thought we had something that both sides agreed on, and the president agreed to sign it. And it looked like the House was going to support it. Well, that this all morning, changed. And let me just give you an example. Um, my sister-in-law, <laughs> people, people who have heard the show know how conservative my older brother is, and his lovely wife who I've known for about 60 years, is equally conservative. And, Professor, a week doesn't go by where we're not texting or emailing about other things, and she just happens to drop in a comment about the border and how bad things are down there. I mean, this is on her mind constantly. So I was just uh, assuming that when this news came out about this new act with bipartisan support, hey, You've wanted us to do something, and now here they're trying to do something. And this has been a problem for a long time. You know, we, the Chinese Exclusion Act in the 1880s, the border situation, the immigration situation was a major American policy problem. You know, that's 140 years ago. The last serious legislation to change the system, to bulk it up, to deal with the real numbers at the border and people inside the country, that was in the mid-80s under Ronald Reagan. And it was the, uh, we had an amnesty program that we allowed people who were in the country illegally, who were not criminals, nothing wrong, they were working, doing whatever. They were criminals in the sense that they had violated the immigration law. We allowed them to come forward, state who they are, uh, show us that they were paying taxes, that they were working, uh, they were not hadn't, hadn't disobeyed the law, they hadn't been arrested, and we allowed them to register and started them on a process toward citizenship. So we've got lots of things like that that we've tried to do over time piecemeal. But it's more almost 40 years ago yeah. that we actually had some serious legislation to change the system, make the uh, the border uh, control agencies, uh, that's plural, uh, because you've got the judges, you've got the border control, naturalization. 
process to build up all of that substantially to deal with the numbers of people we had uh, in, in these large influxes that we get whenever there's a revolution someplace else or there's an economic crisis or, or a physical crisis, floods, fires, famines. Uh, but that was in the 80s. That's the Reagan administration. So then what That's happened? a long time ago. So what happened? Because we've got Mitch McConnell wants this, Biden wants this, Chuck Schumer wants this. Why this is this morning, in danger? It was announced by the Speaker's office that if the bill as it is, and it includes all the things the Republicans have been clamoring for, and the Democrats were interested in the asylum uh, administrative processes. Up. That was their issue. Uh, the the Republicans wanted you know more border patrol enforcement. You know the the money for the wall. Those things. All of that is in this bill. The Speaker of the House, because the former president, Mr. Trump, has stated that we're not going to do this as Republicans because it would give Joe Biden a win. That the issue of the border, and like your sister-in-law, many Americans are concerned. There's lots of news coverage in the area. The situation there is really a mess, needs to be dealt with, needs to be more money uh, to beef up the administrative and the law enforcement processes. The agreement to do all of that, it looked like it was happening the Senate with with my approval, and the Speaker announces that uh, it's dead on arrival. All right. So that Mr. Trump doesn't want it because this is a good presidential running policy issue that uh, he could have. And I've got this already coming on the Stolberg line, and I've seen it on social media, is that supporters are accusing these conservatives of being hypocrites. They've like my like my sister in law. I accused her in a joking way, but. Uh, to me, she's being hypocritical. I hear this every well, week are. from her. This we... is everything they've wanted. Yeah. It's being offered to them, but they don't want it in the year before an election. All right. So is there, this is a rhetorical question, is there or is there not a crisis? Because when I talk to people who are concerned about this, this is a crisis, we got to do something about it. Well, if it's a it's crisis... A crisis. Here's it's a... a crisis of our own making. We haven't responded with an administrative preparations that are the appropriate size to handle the problem. Right. But I, I just want this on the table as we head to the news professor is that if this bill is sabotaged, it's because the leading candidate for the Republican nomination, Donald Trump, doesn't want Biden to get the victory. He doesn't want a solution to the problem because he loses the issue to be able to run on in his campaign. He wants to say Democrats won't do anything. Well, it's his party that's had control of the House. Nothing has happened in these last two years. Nothing happened in the two years before that. These are Republican, uh, these are Republican houses. What, what's the, the Senate, which is right down the middle, they're ready to go. They've got a bill. They went ahead without the, the Republicans in the House working with them to work on a bipartisan solution. And we have the solution. It's ready to go. It isn't perfect. But as George Patton once said, the perfect is the enemy of the good. This is a good solution to what we've got right now. It gets us started. It beefs up the program. The Republicans don't want it because they want to run with the argument there's a crisis. Biden's not doing anything about it. All right. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go to California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig updates us with time saver traffic and weather together. We'll continue our conversation with Professor Armstead about what's happening in Washington and welcome your phone calls and read your text messages.
I would stick around. We got some pretty interesting text messages already. Stay with us. If you're just joining us, uh, Professor James Armstead is back. We're getting his reaction to the ongoing debate in Washington around the Border Patrol Act of 2024. Republicans and Democrats have been working together in the U.S. Senate for months now, trying to come up with some kind of deal to address the border situation. And as Professor Armstead has been explaining, it's not it's more than just the border. It's what's happening with Ukraine. It's what's happening with Israel. It's what's happening in the Pacific. And what's going on? All of a sudden, former President Trump says, now we can't support this because he wants to use it to run against Biden. So some are claiming that Republicans are being hypocrites on the border. If you want in on the conversation, join us. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Professor, on the Stolberg line, I have a solution. President Biden can shut down the border with his authority at any time he chooses, he has the authority. Is that true? Uh, no, it's not. But he's asking for that authority. All right. Paul's in, San, Paul's in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Paul. Hello, Dave. Hello, hey, Paul. Professor. Hi. Now, Hi, this Paul. isn't the first time we've seen Republicans uh, put politics as a priority above uh, the national, uh, national interests. In 2008, famously, you know, we had millions of people that were losing their homes and their jobs because of the economic crisis, and the Republicans' main priority was to make sure that Obama was not in office, as Mitch McConnell famously said. Uh, now, on this, I think, is a little bit different because it, it's no secret that there's certain people certain Republicans in, in Congress that want that Ukraine money shut off. And the only way that it looks like Putin's going to take over the Ukraine is if the United States and NATO allies pull out. And that's what's tied to this bill, is that Ukraine funding. So if that funding doesn't go through, then Putin might be able to just you know go through uh, – right to Kiev. Let's get a response, professor. Well, I think that, I think you're absolutely right that from a democrat policy perspective, part of the reason for tying the bills together is that you force the republicans to come out publicly and where they stand on defense by giving them the issues that they want, i.e. the border, more money for the border, larger uh, uh, border protection services, uh, the administration for the asylums, all of that. You tie all of that to the rest of your the administration's policies for national security, including Israel, Ukraine, humanitarian aid, and support uh, around the Pacific Rim for our, our allies there. You tie it all together. So that's political on the Democratic side as well. Paul? That we're not going to let you piecemeal pick and choose what you want out of our priorities because national defense, it's, it's, a, it's a large 
picture at all of the things that are threatening to us, and you need to pass all of those, get the money for those, get the changes in the law that you need. Otherwise, one piece of it doesn't work. Paul. Yes, I, and I, I agree with you, but I would I'd put the emphasis on it's not just it's not just the Democratic Party's best interest. It's the United States' best interest. Oh, no, 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 not, interest. Yeah. not at all. Yeah, yeah and, and Western democracy and free nations and freedom. It's, it's in our best interest that Putin is stopped right there. If, and also if as we a demonstration we... to China that we're going to stand up for democracy and freedom so that they don't just go after Taiwan. Yeah. Doctor, you're about to say? If we don't have an adequate response for defending democracy everywhere in the world, it's under attack. And we're going to have to face more difficult problems down the road. Putin takes the Ukraine. He has the same arguments for Poland. That used to be part of the uh, the, 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 the great imperial zone of, uh, of, of communist Soviet Union, the old Warsaw Pact. Where does that stop? Yeah. Right. Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, they were part of Russia. They were taken by the, uh, by the czars. Yeah. So they are now independent nations. Do you get those back as well? Yeah. yeah. Who, who would have ever thought that the party of Reagan has come to this, to where now the party of Reagan is allied with, with Putin? I'm glad you called, Paul. Thank you very much. Is that a fair assessment there, Professor? I think it's an accurate, a very accurate assessment that the parties have changed roles. They've, they've reversed. That the Republicans used to be the party that supported uh, international business. They supported free trade. They supported a strong defense. And now it's, well, that's in Putin's area. Why are we involved? Well, you know, why did we fight the First and Second World Wars? You know, we were defending democratic nations that were under attack. That has been American foreign policy consistently for more than 100 years. And it was led, in many cases, by strong Republican administrations and went out of office by strong Republican legislators in the House and the Senate. Now we have a situation where a former Republican president who has been disgraced with not only uh, civil uh, attacks to his actions, but criminal attacks to his actions that are yet to be litigated. He hasn't been convicted yet, but there's certainly there are lots of evidence, including possibly, uh, certainly insurrection, possibly, possibly terrorist activities, that we've seen all of that on the Republican side, and legislators are supporting this president's pronouncements on foreign policy, where he wants to weaken our stance. A zero five five four three eight eight the three zero eight hundred five four nine five eight three two on the Stolberg line, pizza Brad checks in. Hey Brad, it's not a victory, Dave. The Senate bill would allow five thousand people in three. It would allow five thousand people in three times a week. Read the tea leaves, Professor. Okay, I think he's got that just a little bit twisted. If you get 5,000 people at the border seeking asylum, now not just trying to get in, seeking asylum, the president then will have the power 
new bill to shut down the border. He can stop the processing. You know, we can wait and see what happens uh, and have it dealt with on the other side of the border uh, partially, but then revamp, get more people there to do what needs to be done. I appreciate people texting in articles, but this is really not the time to be reading articles. If you've got a comment you would like to make on the Stolberg line, feel free to fire off. Here's one coming in. Uh, listener writes, Donald Trump has already lost the border issue as of this week. Do you agree with that, Professor? I think so. I think that's correct. You didn't even hesitate? No. No, this is, this is a, a red meat political issue for the right wing in the country that the Democrats haven't done anything about the border. Well, if you look at the present administrations since Ronald Reagan, there have been as just about, we're just about even on Republicans, Democrats, and we haven't done anything to beef up, seriously beef up the system that deals with asylum and the rest of immigration uh, since 1987, since the amnesty. That's the last time we had a major reform of immigration. Well, this listener is not. And it isn't just the border, it's the whole thing. This listener isn't letting this issue go. Back on the Stolberg text line. With all due respect, Immigration Nationality Act, Section 212, gives the president broad authority to implement immigration restrictions. That's true, but he also has other portions of the laws that causes him to commit certain actions or not to do certain actions, including international law. Uh, also coming in on the Starberg line, well, this is a legitimate one. Whatever happened to Kamala Harris? She was in, put in charge by Biden of the border two or three years ago. You really haven't heard address this issue that much. Well, she has been working uh, as the administration's lead with this, uh, th- these negotiations going on with the Senate. She's been involved in that. I mean, she is the administration go-to person for immigration. She heads a, uh, a joint... We, we, we work in a process called the interagency process, in which, the, in a particular piece of legislation, if you're negotiating uh, the House, the Senate, for where you the policy change, the administrators from the agencies that would be affected, that would have to effectuate the law you're going to change, they typically interact with the, uh, with the House and Senate, with the, at the committee level. That they, they send over experts with the, with the information that's needed to be able to assess where the legislation ought to go. This issue was so big that the interagency process has been working through the office of the vice president, see, where all agencies that this area, Homeland Security, the Coast Guard, immigration and naturalization, the customs, all of that come together under the vice president's office so that we can have a cohesive policy. And that's the information provider used by the House and the Senate so that uh, they get the information they need to create the appropriate legislation. Well, speaking of legislation, have the conservatives who are opposed to this law come up with a counterproposal? Have they introduced any Nothing. legislation? Nothing. This is just like the health program. The uh, 63 times Obama health uh, program has come up for a challenge, but never was there an alternative proposed. Kill this, but give us something new, something better. All right. It's the same thing here. Uh, we'll be back for a final segment with Prof- Professor Armstead. 
I'm Dave Congleton. This is Hometown Radio. This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Dr. James Armstead is looking at national security in light of the so-called Border Patrol Act of 2024. It deals with funding for Ukraine and Israel and our activities in the Pacific and also uh, border security. If you want in on the conversation, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Professor, back on the Stolberg line, this is obviously a day for texting. A listener is suggesting that the alternative to this bill is already on the table and would only require a signature from Biden. That would be to go back to Trump's remain in Mexico policy. Well, I don't I don't think that's going to work. The problem with that, that was that was temporary. The problem with that is you have these people that pile up along the border. If you've got thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, if you continue this on the other side of the border, you've got uh, humanitarian aid issues, uh, disease spread, these camps that are put together. There are no facilities to, to have those people, to have thousands or hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of people at the border waiting to see someone, to talk about asylum, to talk about regular entry. There are no facilities to do that. That would create a humanitarian crisis. Now, at the time that this was going on, the Trump administration, that was a temporary stall to get some kind of legislation passed, but nothing was produced by the Trump administration inside the country to deal with expanding border control and the agencies. It was just, we'll have the wall, we won't let anybody in, you know, let's do something else, and the something else was never proposed. So it was a sort of a half-baked policy. Yes, but chances are this so-called Border Patrol Act of 2024 is not going to pass, not under the present circumstances. So then what happens? Well, it's going to be a mess down there. We're going to continue to see these large influxes because of the situations, as I mentioned, the, the socio-political economic situations in South and Central America. We'll continue to see these large numbers of people coming, and we have no means to deal with it. It's just going to, it's going to be a continued crisis, and the Republicans are going to blame the Democrats for not being able to solve the problem. But it's their House of Representatives that control, control the budget and the legislation. All right, let's take another call. We've got Joseph checking in. Hey, Joseph. Hey, Dave. Hey, Hi, Joseph. Uh, Professor. Hi. Um, so, I like you said earlier, this bill is imperfect. Um, I think the biggest, most important thing that we're looking at is the humanitarian crisis with uh, so many people coming in. We're not going to stop them. We can't stop them. I, I don't like this idea of Republicans we could just shut down a border. I mean, commerce, uh, there's, you know, commercial trading going on. And these people coming in, sure. most of them just want to work. They just want an opportunity like all of us do. And and I don't think it's fair that, um, that Republicans just want to toss out this bill just because they're not getting everything that they want. Professor, I think you're absolutely I think you're absolutely right. The border isn't just asylum. It's regular immigration. It's customs enforcement because we've got things going both ways. 
that we are selling things. We, we are a commercial nation. We are strong because of our multi-trillion dollar economy. Our $19 trillion economy functions because we export and import labor, goods, all of those things. If you shut down the border, you don't just shut down the people seeking asylum that you think you don't have a process reasonable, but you shut down the regular immigration and you shut down the importation and exportation of goods. Yes, but gentlemen, the question becomes, how many do we take in? Where do we draw the line? At what point do we say we can't we can't afford to to be this open anymore? Um, Dave, if we have millions upon millions for ammo and guns to kill women and children, I think we could make some space in that budget to save lives instead of kill lives. I just thought it's so, uh, you know, everyone's nationalistic, patriotic, ready to send millions to kill people. But once we are trying to save people, people are trying to come in and make this nation better. We, we say, oh, we don't have the money. We don't have the funds. I just think it's, it's, uh, hypocritical i mean on both sides yeah comment on that professor realistically how many people can we take in i I don't have an exact number that i can give you and part of that's because it changes from time to time last year we had just above three percent growth Given 3% growth in our economy, we have lots of jobs that are open. In the last two quarters, over 300,000 jobs were created. So we've got a need for workers coming in, our own workers, putting people together uh, into new industries and moving around the country inside, our own citizens. And we have a need for Im- to, to import workers. We've got things that need to be, that need to be done. If, if you look at um, uh, the agricultural uh, uh, industry in the United States, uh, the need for agricultural workers is actually up. We need more of them. Mm. Now, we've got lots of things that are, that are being automated uh, in our traditional industries, our old Rust Belt type industries, and people are going to other jobs. But they're not going to the places where immigrants typically go. They go to the startup jobs. Right. They, 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 they're, they're chicken processing, right. uh, for example. The agriculture that I mentioned and the basic jobs in the industrial industrial sector, the first level, where people are right. first hired. Right. That's jo- where, where immigrants are needed and where they go. Joseph, what else? Anything? Yeah, I want to... Uh... Um, continue that point of there's a lot, I'm, I'm 34, there's a lot of uh, Americans my age and younger who will, will not do the jobs that uh, um, the immigrants will do, and we need them. We need them out here in the fields and, and, and industries that people my age, Americans, won't do just because for whatever reason, you know, they want to be a YouTube star or a podcaster. But we need them, and I, I just wish we could, I wish we could, not send so much money for military and more for helping people and humanitarian things rather than um, ammunition and killing folks. But that's all. Thank you. I'm glad you called, Joseph. Thank you very much. Let's go to Alan in San Luis. Hey, Alan. Hi, Dave. Hi, Doctor. I want hey. to follow up on Joseph's comment. Part of the problem is capacity. We look at the issues. I think they were talking about Boston. The thing, facilities are being overwhelmed, so we need to do this in a more organized way so we don't force people to make bad decisions, like they were putting in migrants in a rec center in a poor part of the city and really upsetting those residents who don't have the facilities. We need to do it in a more organized way. 
and we definitely need to find a way to cut down on the drugs coming in. Uh, that's there's just a lack of control right now. Professor. I, I absolutely agree with all three of those those points. We do need what to be more effective in our in, in reducing the amount of drugs that are imported in the country. The massive amounts of drugs aren't coming with the immigrants; they are coming with our regular importation of goods and services. People smuggling drugs; they're coming in tractor trailer trucks. They're coming in large loads. It's not uh, immigrants with uh, with calves the size of watermelons carrying marijuana and cocaine on their backs. Uh, this, this industrial, they're coming, drugs are coming in ships and airplanes and on trucks, that we've got to be much better at our customs enforcement and inspection. That's part of what I'm talking about when I say we have to look at this, the systemic issue. We've got to look at immigration. We've got to look at the asylum. We've got to look at customs. We've got to look at the asylum judicial portion, the, uh, the, the immigration law judges who actually talk to people coming. All of that's got to be enlarged, invigorated, uh, and having good people in those, in, in those jobs. And those are good federal jobs, by the way. All right. We're almost out of time. More employment. Almost out of time. Alan, anything else you want to ask? Yeah, well, the other concern is human trafficking. So that's another reason we need to be tighter on the border to prevent human trafficking or to decrease human trafficking. Right, and we also want to get rid of the fentanyl, get that under control. There's a lot there. Alan, always good to hear from you. Well, we knew this was coming, Professor. As we start to wrap things up, Robert on the Stolberg line wants to know how many uh, of these uh, people coming across the border you're willing to take in your home. It's apples and oranges, isn't it? Well, I've I've got I've offered my home to several people from the Ukraine, professors that I worked with when I was there on a Fulbright. So I am certainly willing to support uh, uh, those folks who need support that I know that I think I can help. Because that's the kind of guy and you are. I help them find jobs and do things like that. I got a minute left. Do you think this legislation is going to pass? I think something will happen with this. Will it pass in its entirety? It's certainly not going to pass this week. But remember, the Speaker of the House only exists by one vote. He's got a three-vote majority, but one vote from his own caucus can bring him down if there's an objection to his administration, just like the previous Speaker. I've got exactly 30 seconds for a final thought, Professor James Armstead. Immigration, naturalization, has been an issue that concerns us and every country. And who cuts into the country, who becomes a citizen, who becomes a worker in our country is something we need to be concerned with, and it's not a partisan issue. We shouldn't even think of it as a partisan issue. This is something that affects the security and health of our country, no matter what your political stripe is. On the Stolberg line, Stacy checks in. To the systemic issue in the U.S., two words... Bobby Kennedy for president in 24. Thanks, Stacy, but that's six words. We'll talk more about Bobby Kennedy <laughs> another time. Professor, nice job. Thanks for the conversation. Off we go. News, traffic, weather, 5 o'clock hour starts now. There'll be days like this When there's no one complaining 
There'll be days like this Everything falls into place Like the flick of a switch Well, my mama told me Days like this, where Dave Congleton uh, is out sunning himself on the uh, beaches of some foreign land, I'm assuming. Or French Riviera. Possibly French Riviera. Not quite sure where he's at. He's a jet set type, you know. He's all over the world. (laughs) Who knows where he's at today? But I'm filling in. We got Jim Richards that's filling in for me. I'm filling in for Dave. And uh, we're here. As we always do on Fridays, Pet and Pie. That's what I'm always looking forward to. The rest of the show is going to be great, but always looking forward to Friday's Pet and Pie of the Week. And uh, we are going to be having a great show today. And in fact, at 6 o'clock, we're going to be talking to uh, County Supervisor. Man, I knew I I messed it up already. Got my notes on the wrong page. (laughs) Uh, County Supervisor Don Ortiz Leg, and she's going to be talking about all the stuff going on in the Central Coast. Uh, and that's at 6 o'clock. 5 o'clock, musician Travis Larson of the Travis Larson Band. He's going to be in studio playing some music and also talking about his recent tour around uh, parts of the country, his recent trip to Germany, and uh, playing at the NAM show in L.A. That's a big musician's uh, get-together thing down there. 4 o'clock, we're going to be Looking back at the week that was. I don't I don't think that's an original title, but hey, it is what it is. It's very descriptive. We're going to look back at the top stories. I'm going to give you what I think my top stories were of the week. And I want you to call in with what stories. Maybe you agree with mine. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have another suggestion. I want you to call in and give us your two cents of what you think the top story of the week is for you and why. And that's going to be at 4 o'clock, 3.30. You know what that means. It's the pie time. And we're going to be enjoying pie with David Hernandez, Sergeant First Class from the United States Army. He's going to be enjoying pie. We're going to thank you for his service and find out why maybe others should be serving in the military as well. But right now, it's the pet portion of our uh, day. And uh, we're here with Greer and Stacy. In fact, this dog is so out of control, Stacy had to come in to help. <laughs> because you, you, two of them had to ride on this dog's back just to bring it inside because it was so out of control. Is that true? Um, no. No? <laughs> no. Oh, no. you mean it's wandering uh, around and panting and just kind of looking at everything and well, it being had, sweet? it had an exuberant time chasing the ball, uh, as you'll see in one of the photos, folks. Um, th- this is a great ball chaser. Uh, we'll retrieve it, bring it back. Matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet that the breed is German Shepherd and ball retriever. Yeah. I'm, I'm certain of it. This dog it, definitely seems like a ball retriever. Oh, and really good at it. Really good at it. Uh, very sweet temperament and personality. Um, she's been there since September. And who knows why? You know, I mean, the dogs get overlooked. Part of the reason could be that she's an all-black dog. But she's got this really nice curly hair, shiny black coat. And she's quite... Quite good looking. That's one thing I was noticing was that dog is shiny. Yeah, yeah. You know, so she's been well cared for. And you may be wondering, well, let's see, she's only two years old. Uh, She's a good size, maybe 40 pounds, 35 pounds, something like that. So why do they turn her in? Well, she probably wouldn't do good on the farm, folks. She likes to chase the chickens. Who doesn't? 
Who doesn't like to chase them? Who doesn't like to eat them? And mm-hmm. so, you know, that doesn't go well on a farm. Uh, so that's the biggest reason why. Um, so, uh, but obviously, uh, not bad with other dogs. I mean, if the dog is friendly, she's friendly too. So I think just uh, keep her away from the chickens. And very good. Very sweet dog. Yeah. She's kind of, she hears uh, there's a car backing up or a truck and it's got the beep beep going. Huh? And that's definitely grabbed her attention. And now she's back to, uh, Vacuuming the floor with her nose. Yeah. Checking out everything that's going on. Stacy? Yeah, so I came in to um, say hi to Dave, but I guess he's out on the ocean right now. So mm-hmm. hi, Dave, <laughs> from a distance. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really excited to see that Greer brought Ella. She has been at the shelter since September. And um, she's one of my favorites. Um, I, I know her pretty well. I have taken her on so many walks since September. Um, and usually take her out to the ball yard and throw the ball. Also, um, when I see somebody else out there with her, from a distance, she looks so beautiful. She is a wonderful-looking dog. Very, very, um, uh, I guess, handsome. But what do you call a, a female dog? How would you describe a beguiling, a good-looking beguiling. dog? Yes. Darn good-looking. But she's in great shape. Like you said, her yeah. her coat is shiny and she's clean. Her teeth look good. She's young. She's only two years old. Yeah. Very um, treat motivated too. Very treat motivated. Um, so she's she's good at walking too. She's good on leash. Yeah. Um, you know and, who you're describing, Jim Richards. Oh, Jim yeah. Richards. Yep. Yeah. Wow. He, very treat motivated. Wow. Very treat motivated. Well, you bring yeah. me a treat, I'm going to walk with you anywhere. He, yep, he's good at walking and he, he loves treats. Do you have a oh. shiny black treats. coat in your I closet? Do have a black, I have a shiny black coat in my closet. There you go. Closet. So what do you think of our uh, our dog, Ella? I think it's a great dog. I think she's a great dog. Um, she was just being great out in the lobby. She was getting some snacks out there and sitting there and just uh, being the best dog ever, I think. She's she's yeah. an amazing dog. Now, I keep looking at the dog, and it looks like, I, I don't know, like a black lab German Shepherd. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be. It's physically shaped kind of German Shepherdy, yeah, but with black lab she yeah, color. She's like kind of black lab to me. You know, I, I, you just got to do the DNA. That's the only way if you really got to know for sure. But the most important thing, folks, it, it wouldn't matter what... You know, she comes back as it's all about temperament and personality, and do you connect? She might have and a little sheepdog in her. What does that maybe cost to do a maybe DNA a thing for a dog? I plan on throwing about a hundred dollars at it. Because you know? do do a lot of people do that? Yes, they yeah, do. Yeah, they yeah. just can't stand it. They have to find out what kind of dog they have. It's right. cute, you know. It, it's fun. Yeah. I think it's talking points later on, you know. But mm-hmm. um, you know, so if you really got to know, but the point being, I mean, most importantly, like I said, it's it's temperament and personality, and do mm-hmm. you connect? And then it doesn't matter. It could be rodent for all that matters. You know, it just there you go. You got a connection, then that's the dog. And at two years old. This dog's got a long life ahead. Is long it a, an emotional thing when they find out like they're two percent Chihuahua and they break down crying with the well, DNA? Have you had the DNA? You have you had your yeah, own see, DNA? There I'm you go. All, I've done the DNA test, and you're always shocked. Like, hey, I didn't know that, you know. And maybe the dog is like, oh my god, I didn't know I was part poodle. Three percent. I'm ashamed. I'm three percent Togo. Does what? anybody know where Togo is, folks? Go look uh, it up. Go look yeah. it up. No, You'll it's see. a big island somewhere. I think. Yeah, nope, nope, nope. No, nope. but wow. this dog, I. I'm going to say it's 50-50. German Shepherd, Black Lab. Fair enough. Fair I think enough. so. She's a great dog. I mean, yeah. I walked in um, 
from the outer lobby into our little lobby here yeah. from the radio station. And uh, she just wanted to greet and yeah. be happy. And she was not uh, she was not out of control. She was sitting there having uh, her treats when I came in. And she was just yeah. a great dog. She knows sit, shake, down. Oh, you know, she's, yeah, she, so came, she she's, just ran over to you. Oh, she's a smarty pants. Oh, no. uh, she literally just, her head popped up and she ran right over because she thought, oh, here, right. I got to do some tricks. Well, that's it. I'm here to perform. She's, she's getting more, oh, uh, she more treats even as we speak. Yep. She is very, very treat motivated. Um, you know, if you know anything about the shelter, you would know that, you know, you have the play yards out there. And then you had the office. And I had to go in there in the office to get some copies of her paperwork. And she was able to look through, I don't know how many series of windows, but she could see me in the lobby. And she was just with her paws up, just watching my every move. That's so, what she's thinking. I have Rear, to, yeah. you haven't taken me to the radio station yet. What is up with that? Yeah, who's going? What what is up is with that? I've been here since September. Some of these dogs have been here less time than me, and you've taken them. So why haven't you taken me? Bring on that right. shiny black coat, and then you're coming on in. I actually have the window open here. That's what you might have heard me in the background making all kinds of noise. Mm-hmm. That's because she was so interested in looking through that window yeah, yeah. that I had to raise it for, and then she was just fixated on that truck that was beeping. And she's not mad, not barking, not scared, just... Yeah extremely interested in the beeping truck yeah. you know and not to take anything off of this dog but the dog you took back last week was she was adopted basically right after you got back so right the, the, him and the sister two older boxers a nine and a seven-year-old boxers got adopted uh, uh last week and uh, you know Thank you so much for listening uh, and uh, meeting me at the shelter, um, you know, to uh, meet meet our dog. And then next thing you know, she took two. Oh, um, I got to tell you, though, this dog is just as good as those oh, yeah. dogs. Oh, I want to hear the story because I wasn't dog. here last week. So I want to hear the story of the dog from last week because Dave even texted me to let me know how fast it went. Now, but we're going to do that right after we come back. Yeah, you're listening to News Talk 920 FM 96.5 KVEC, the Dave Congleton Show. on the Dave Congleton Show. My name is Craig Hill, filling in for the aforementioned Dave Congleton. I'm here with Greer and Stacy and Jim, and we're meeting the uh, pet of the week, Ella, and you can go check out Ella on the Facebook page, News Talk 920 KVC, and you can check uh, out the pictures and uh, go get this great girl. But before we go any further, uh, Jim's got to let you know that this whole segment is uh, able to be brought to you by really quickly too. I just saw something on the traffic screen. Somebody's standing on the roadway on 101 near Los Osos Valley Road. So be careful going through that area right now. Somebody just really in the wrong place. Right, they're now. they're on their way to come get Ella. So you better yeah. hurry up. <laughs> yes. There it is. Uh, Cuesta Park Animal Hospital, right? So yes. we're creating a friendly, informative, and supportive veterinary environment while treating your pet as if they're. They're, if, is it their, if it's their own, like it's their own. There we are. Um, I wish we could redo this. Visit com for more information and to book your appointment. That is correct. All right. Now we're here with Ella. Last week, I wasn't here, and Dave texted me to uh, talk about how much it meant to him, how fast your pet was uh, 
yeah, adopted. It, now, tell us about that. Okay, so we had a boxer on, an older boxer named Bruno, um, and Bruno was you know on the smaller side as boxers go, um, you know about. 30, maybe 35 pounds, uh, came in with a sister, and I should have brought them both on. But So that boxer was a lightweight? A lightweight, a lightweight boxer, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. And how yes. old was Bruno? Um, Bruno, I believe, was the younger of the two. That was okay. seven. And okay. then the sister was nine. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, and so they both came in literally only days before with a Frenchie um, uh, dog, too, you know, a French bulldog. Mm-hmm. So we had no worries about the French bulldog getting adopted, that's for sure. They go out the door very quickly. Yeah, Why? They, get, they get stolen. They get stolen, yes. Exactly. Highly popular dog. So um, anyway, Bruno uh, you know, did great on, on the radio show. Um, and there's a, gr- a terrific picture of Dave with Bruno. Uh, and they just had a nice connection. It really was. Um, Bruno is just a very sweet boy. Um, and uh, we got um, as I'm driving into the shelter, I get out, I take Bruno, and I literally walk arm in arm with somebody coming into the shelter. Her uh, name is Debbie, and she says, uh, uh, "Is this uh, Bruno?" And I went, uh, "Yeah, sure is." She goes, "I'm here to meet Bruno." Oh. I said, "Well, we're doing that right now. Let's go into the yard." And so went into the yard with Bruno. They get along wonderfully, and I said, "So, what do you think about her sister?" Or his sister. And he said, she said, oh, well, um, I don't know, maybe. I said, let me go grab her. So we brought the sister in. Don't ask me her name. I cannot recall the top of my head. And the next thing you know, bingo, bango, uh, adopted. Both. Oh, what a great both. story. And both. Uh, and she heard it from KVC. Yes, yes. For Bruno, yeah, of course. And then the bonus is the sister getting adopted, too. So, and did you make sure management knows about how coming on the show yeah, yes. promotes and helps? Now, that's two dogs yes. from the show. Absolutely, that's two, and th- let's let's do the same here. Um, so it's um, it, it's just a great venue for dogs to come out, get in the car. You get to see the dog doing a car ride. Ella was spectacular in the car. Jumped in the car, and then was very chill, looking out the window a little bit, and then just lay down. It's kind of like waiting to see where we we're going to go. Um, so. By the time we get to the studio, they've been completely removed from the shelter. They've had a chance to kind of, uh, kind of relax, if you will, from the noise and the, somewhat, sometimes the chaos there. And this is what you see in the studio is kind of what you're likely to get in your home. Because ho- this studio could be anybody's room in the house. So oftentimes you can't ju- judge a dog when they're in that shelter it's, environment. That's right. That's a very good point right there. Um this is amazing. This is so great that Ella is here, so well-behaved, sitting nicely. It's good information to hear how well she was in the car, um, yes. walking up in perfect in the studio. And even Jim said when I was hold, um, kind of holding her in the other room. By the way, as you're holding treats, the dog is watching your hand with a <laughs> laser. Watching, so every time you gesticulate that hand <laughs> movement, that dog is like, there it is. There right? it is. Up, up, down, up, down. I need to pay attention, but she's not jumping all over me. She's not bothering no, me. She's no. not hurting me. She's just watching. Just stare. It's a good thing that dog does not have laser eyes. Your hand would be exploding <laughs> right now. So, by the way, um, the stairs going up to the second floor here, I told her up, and she started walking up, and I just dropped the leash. Next thing you know, she's walking up the stairs, and Stacy's up there and just sees this black dog walking on up all alone. It's <laughs> like, I guess she knows what she's doing. There you go. I know, and I said, is that Ella? Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it, it breaks my heart. She's been there since September, oh, and people just don't really look at her. She, They just walk on by for some reason. Yeah. She's just... 
uh, doesn't stand out well in her kennel. She's very excitable. She wants out of there so bad. She wants to run. Mm. She wants to play. But she's not overly excited in here. It's so wonderful to see how well she is, so well-behaved she is. Yeah. What a great dog to adopt. I got to say, this is really great dog. Oftentimes, you know, they come in and they're excited. I, I let it slip. It's like when little kids come in, you know, you, you give them a little room to bounce off the walls. <laughs> yeah. This dog... Is acts as if it's been trained to yeah. be just next to you and curious, but not overly excitable. Right. Just very nice. I will give this dog the Craig Hill stamp of approval yes. and guarantee. This is a great dog. Now, who should adopt this dog and who shouldn't? Um Go for it. So I was just looking on what... So it has a surrender uh, profile and some an- questions and answered, and it says... Um, is the pet housebroken? Yes. Is this pet um, good with cats? Not sure. Does the pet have any training? And it says, yes, she's well trained. True. Um, so I don't, I, what was the question? Like, uh, what kind of people? Yeah, who should yeah, get it so and who shouldn't? It says no, no chickens. So we, we have to be aware of... Um, yeah. That kind of environment. And also, if you have other dogs, really, she needs to meet the dogs. I I do know that when I'm walking Ella and I'm walking nearby other dogs, she really doesn't pay much attention. She's non-reactive. So, um, you know, she has a lot of potential, but we need to go a little bit further Mm -hmm. in that issue. Yeah. And I I think with kids, you know, it it just says sort of, you know, as far as good with children, uh, it I, I find that hard to believe that there would be a problem with children. This dog seems like it. She'd be great yes, with kids, absolutely, especially outdoors. Outdoors in a yard. Her size is perfect. It's not. She's not too big. That would be intimidating to a young kid. Um, you know, I can see this dog being respectful. Um, Tons of eye contact. This dog. Oh yeah. It's going from the eyes to the hands. Eyes to the hands. Yeah. Back and forth. Yeah, yeah. She's super fun to play fetch with too. Oh gosh. Oh, that, I bet. That's her main thing yep. yeah. is playing fetch and bringing that ball back and then running so fast it's beautiful to watch mm-hmm. but um yeah she she really likes that activity well with 10 seconds left where does somebody go get ella no oh, my let's see first off um the best thing to do is to go online um take a look at the inventory of our of our dogs and animals in general when you see uh you know uh, ella's picture you're gonna have an id number associated with that Call into the shelter, 805-781-4400. Make an appointment. Come on down and see Ella. All right. When we come back, we're going to be enjoying some pie with the U.S. Army right after this. It's a wonderful day for pie. You can ask all the birds in the sky, and they'll tell you real sweet with a musical tweet. It's a wonderful day for pie. For pie. For pie. For pie. For pie. It's a wonderful, wonderful day for pie. Every day. It's a wonderful day for pie, but we get ours on Friday. You know, you have to earn pie. You don't just 
get to have it. You got to earn it. It's like it's like a rank in the military. They don't just give it to you. You got to earn it. Except for this pie, it's harder to get than a rank in the military because. <laughs> Well, okay, it's not that hard. It's You just got to go to the store, your local grocery store, or make a drive up to Cambria. And we're here enjoying the Lynn's Pie, the Olala Berry Pie from Lynn's. It is phenomenal. We got Greer and Stacy, And then also joining us, U.S. Army Sergeant First Class, David Hernandez. Yes, thank you, sir. He is with us in studio enjoying pie with us. I figure, you know, you've put in, uh, you know, 16 years in the Army. You deserve a slice of pie. That's how it works. Yep, very delicious. Pentagon called me and said he put in his 16. It's what we call the pie-versary for military, and you get a slice of pie. Oh, yes, indeed. Very delicious. That's why you joined up, wasn't it? Of course. Come yeah. on now. That's why you signed up to serve the country and get a slice of pie. And uh, we are here with our guests. Enjoy. And don't forget, Jim over there. Having pie. Having pie. Yeah, uh, yep. that's, that's in the contract, Craig. Whenever Dave is out, you are here and I'm here. And we have pie. Yeah, we usually must have pie. I have to ask you, hey, can you cover me like Monday through Thursday? But on Fridays, you yeah, no, hey, you need Friday. me today. Yeah, hey, you, you, you need the you need the day off. Uh, you it's been way Friday. too long since I've been here on a Friday. Yeah, you should come. You should leave. Yeah, that's what he does. Get out of here. But we're here enjoying the Olalaberry pie, and uh, Greer and Stacy, you guys, uh, what do you think of this pie? Well, this is the reason why I came by. <laughs> yeah, know? I noticed. I'm like, why? You can't, you can't say no to Lynn's yeah. pie. This is Lollaberry. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with a dog or anything like that. Well, that's oh, trying to get rid of it, oh, you know, we, get him out of the shelter. Really need. We really want to have um, Ella <laughs> adopted, but also we want to say how wonderful this pie is. It's like deep purple lullaberries, and the fruit once again that flavor comes right out, and the flaky crust, yum, delicious. Greer, where's this on your list of pies? Very high, very high. Um, yeah, this is this is right up there with the peach blueberry, my my all time favorite. Um, but I will never say no to a lollaberry. And now, oh, oh, this is so good. Sergeant First First Class David Hernandez, how do people, what do they call you? Do they say the whole name every time? No, no, it's just Sergeant. Just Sergeant? Yes. So, do they call you Sarge? Nah, I mean, I've heard it a couple of times, but at the same time, you never want to be, you know, called that either. Yeah, I, I just picture Sarge with, always has a cigar and always says Sarge like this. <laughs> All right, Sarge. No. If he said Sergeant, the yeah. cigar would fall out. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. why. So you're here joining us. This is the first time you've had. The, the Lynn's Olalaberry Pie. Yes, indeed. This is my very first time. Are you familiar with Lynn's? No, I'm not. Now, are you are you from the Central Coast? Apparently not. No. Originally nope. from Texas. Where, what part of Texas? Way down south by the beach. So, South Padre Island, okay. around that area. And then you, so you went into the Army from there. Yes. And now you're here eating pie with us. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Very That's, delicious. Y- you never know what's going to happen. So, what do you, yeah, what do you think of this pie? <laughs> Uh, I'm not much of a sweet person, but when I taste it, this very delicious. I love berries. All right, the best thing about this pie is very creamy. The crust is not too hard. You know, people always talk about the crust mm-hmm. yeah. because other pies, the crust is just a delivery system. It breaks. Yeah, and here mm-hmm. it's it's staying together, but mm-hmm. it's flaky. Mm-hmm. It has its own taste. And you said you're not you're not a fan of sweet. No, but this right here, it's not. I always it's say not it's overly. not. Yeah, it's not candy sweet. Mm-hmm. It's fruit sweet. Yes. The one that I like yeah, about it, too. loading it up with a bunch of sugar. Well, I like about it, too, is it's not just a bunch of pureed mush. You actually have berries in this. Olali berries. Whole olali berries. Yeah, it is filled with berries. Now, when you do eat pie from Texas or wherever you're stationed around the world, is there a pie that you prefer? 
Oh, you, come on. There's always that one pie. Which one would it be? The I'm a pumpkin pie kind pumpkin of guy. Oh, oh really? yes. wait till you, yes, yes. Wait till you try the Lynn's pumpkin pie. Oh my pie. gosh! Yeah, you have not lived until you've had <laughs> Lynn's pumpkin pie. Lynn's is amazing. Have you been to uh, their store up at Cambria? No, I haven't. Oh man, how long have you been here on the Central Coast? Uh, going on about almost three years. Three, oh, come this June. Wow, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> you got you to make the drive. Yeah, you got to get up drive. there gotta now. If you want to get this pie, you can go to any of the grocery stores. So the fruit pies are available in the grocery store in the uh, frozen pie section and you can get that or if you know if you're tough enough if you know if you're <laughs> really tough you can make a leisurely drive up the coast of California to the picturesque village of Cambria and okay. eat there it, it's a tough drive because you got on one side rolling green hills on the other side you have the ocean waves it's yeah it's yeah. a brutal drive. I, I don't know. Can you do it? Yeah. Of course I can. Come oh, on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the drive is not, it's not the issue. Yeah. No, but that's uh, where you can get these pies, and they're absolutely terrific. And uh, at, when we were talking off air, you were mentioning, you know, Texas. And I was thinking, I don't even know if they've even heard of Olali Berries in Texas. No, never heard of it. This is the first time. Hmm. Now, a little background. The Olali Berry, from what I recall, was invented up in Oregon, created its a mix of... What is it? That's a raspberry and blackberry. I think. Blackberry. It's I think a so. combination, and uh, but it was out there, and the Lins brought it to the Central Coast, where it is thriving, and it has become the berry of the Central Coast. It is, if you think of berries, on in this area, it's Olala berries and it's Lins, mm -hmm. and so that's what you got to do. But people try to make these Olala berry pies at home, and they're all right, but never the same. Never the same as Lins. So, of the Olala berry, since you, this is the first time you've had, what are your kind of uh, takeaways from it? Well, like I said, the, the biggest thing for me when it comes to a pie, it's the crust. You know, I hate to, you know, pick at a pie and it just breaks. This one is just, it's not too burnt. It's moist. I like it. I love berries, mm -hmm. you know. But, oh, my God. Very first time having this, I love it. Well, see, that is why... You really got to try for everyone out there, Lynn's mm -hmm. pies, because there's so many pies like this one is great. I love Olala Berry, but there's pies that I don't even like that I love on Lynn's. You want you try it? I'm not man. a pecan pie fan. I have a feeling mm. that anytime we need somebody to come in and talk about the military on a Friday, you're you're up for it because you can come in for the you know pie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're, we're anytime gonna, we're going to have troops stationed outside. <laughs> the, the new recruiting office is going to be in the parking lot on Fridays. Yep, this yeah, is where I, we're going to be at. I'm not a, a. Do you like pecan pie? No, I don't. I'm Pe not a fan of pecan. Neither am I. I love Lynn's pecan pie. Really? Yeah, because it to me it tastes like uh, creme brulee mm. with just it is it is sweet, but it has that crisp the crispy toasted nuts in there, and it is delicious. I'm not a fan of it of other people's versions of it. So many I, of their pies. I have a feeling somebody from Texas. Saying they're not a fan of pecans. <laughs> I know. I problem. know. Oh, yeah, that is very popular. Yes. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> wow, you know, that. Growing up, you know, my mom used to always have it. You know, one of those where, hey, you're going to eat this pie. And I go, oh, my God, of course I got to eat it now. Oh. And so I guess over time, it's just I built that tolerance. So I, I can't do it no more. Mm -hmm. No more. Mm -hmm. So now you can send a Lynn's pie from the Central Coast to your mom. Oh. Say, here, I'll eat these. This is, this is what you can now serve me exclusively <laughs> when I come to visit. And that's it. And now, do you get back there often? 
So I recently just went back and visited my family early January. Mm -hmm. It's been the first time in three years. So it was great seeing my family. I was there for about a week with my little one. So you got to tell them all about this pie. Take, you know what we should do is take some pictures of this Lynn's pie, and he can send it back and make them all jealous in oh Texas. So oh, yeah. That, then all of a sudden, everyone in Texas will start moving to California so that they can be with the, uh, the Lynn's pies here. He can mail some. Mail a pie. You can mail a pie. That is true. You can go down to Lynn's, go on their website, and you can order a pie online and have it shipped right to Texas. And then all of a sudden, everyone will move to California from Texas. We'll get all those people back. It's usually the opposite. Uh, people are trying to leave. No, but this is the reason, the one reason to come back. Sure, there's the taxes and the property costs and living here, but we got the Lynn's pie. They don't got that in Texas. All right. Well, let's run down the board. Jimbo, what do you think? You know, it, it's amazing. Uh, you can't go wrong with the Lynn's pie, but this is truly amazing and just the the berries alone like i said before it's not mush and that just that no. just puts right no. on the top of the list for me Greer? uh pause up pause up great great pie big pause up stacy i'll give it a thumbs up, up too <laughs> ella loves it did you give her some crust <laughs> yeah she loved it all right and uh first sergeant sergeant first class david hernandez what do you think star hernandez approved all right, it's got the official. Now that's an official army approval from Sergeant Hernandez. From yes, Sergeant Hernandez, <laughs> approved. Everyone is approving of this delicious mm -hmm. Olala berry pie. So get out there, get up to Lynn's, go to the Lynn's compound, go to Lynn's restaurant, Lynn's Easiest Pie Cafe, Lynn's uh, Toy Store, Lynn's Orama, Lynn's Hammock Store. They got everything up there at <laughs> the Lynn's. The whole corner, the whole street. Yeah, the, but they do have a, a very cool gift shop up there too. They do. And uh, I was, I, I lost my Lynn's uh, pie scooper. I, it was here. No, I can't find it. Somebody snaked it. And I was, I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, I got to get back to the Lynn's uh, oh, gift shop and get me another pie slicer. What a shame. Anyway, very, very uh, delicious pie. Thank you, uh, John and Rini and Aaron for the uh, the great pie. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be learning a little bit more about our uh, military guest and uh, about the lifestyle right after mm, I move this off of here and right after this. On Hometown Radio, the Dave Congleton Show. I'm Craig Hill filling in for Dave, who will be back on Monday. Uh, he's out cruising around the world, jet-setting, living the life. While me and uh, Jim stuck back here, running the show. Not stuck. We're, we're enjoying it. And my guest right now is David Hernandez, U.S. Army Sergeant, first class. And uh, straight from Texas. Yes, sir. To here. Now, you, I, I talked to you for the first time today. I was yes. on my way in, and I, I'm like, hey, I need a... I need a convoy. <laughs> I need some army help and someone to try uh, to test the pie. And you, you volunteered. Of course, and you, it's pie. You, that's what you do. You volunteer. You volunteered for the army. When did when did you volunteer for the army? Oh my God! This is back in two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Yes. When you were like seven? No. Nah. <laughs> no, nah, I was just twenty one at the time. And why did you uh, why did you join up? So I joined up. I mean, at the time, you know, I was stuck at this dead end job. Do, what were you doing, radio? I was doing retail. Okay. Yeah, I know. You know, some of the jobs that we can only get. Folding pants at the Gap? No, oh, I did that too. <laughs> but I had a buddy of mine just got back from his uh, second tour, and he was explaining to me, you know, his job. And I was just there in awe, like, oh, my God, you get to do that? 
and I'm over here stocking shelves. What, what was his job? Uh, he was an artillery guy as well. So he just got to blow stuff up and exactly. shoot big guns. Yeah, and you're like, course. wow, I can shoot big guns or fold these uh, chinos again. Exactly, because you know I lift weights too, and he was like, hey man, it's like lifting weights. You're lifting heavy rounds, and that you're like, hey, it's good enough. Yep. And w- when you decided to join up, I mean, was it was it a hard decision? No, actually, it wasn't a hard decision. I've always wanted to do the military growing up, but my mom was against it. Mm-hmm. You know, but me coming from a Hispanic background, you know, you got to listen to mom. You know, mm-hmm. she's the law. Yeah, you don't but, want to get that chocolate of the head. <laughs> exactly, right? So when I left, you know, I moved out. It was me, my wife, and I just had a newborn. Oh, wow. So you were married and had a kid. Yes. Wow, that must have been tough. No, I mean, it was tough living paycheck to paycheck and whatnot. But remember, I told you my buddy showed me the benefits of what I could get being mm-hmm. in the Army. And after reviewing everything, that was a no-brainer right there, you know? But you had to leave your wife and is it a son or daughter no my daughter so you had to leave your wife and your daughter to join the military exactly you couldn't just you know at least the gap maybe doesn't pay but it's down the street (laughs) you get to come home every night true but i mean you're not gone forever i was only gone for a couple of months for the training Mm -hmm. and then after that came back picked up my family and the army moved us to and where did you move to so here so remember i'm from texas right so my first duty station was alaska That couldn't be any more opposite. Well, no, I guess maybe New York would be more opposite. But, I mean, as far as temperature-wise. Oh, it was a culture shock at best right there. Yeah, we had to fix up our car, get it winterized, you know, buy all these clothing, these jackets and whatnot. But I will say this, though. Alaska is gorgeous. If you have an opportunity, I'm telling you, it is amazing out there. Well, are you an outdoorsy guy? Do you hunt and fish and do stuff like that? Well, I wasn't, but after being there, I mean, you get accustomed to it, and, you know, it becomes a hobby after mm-hmm. that. You know, but, I mean, it's amazing. The fishing out there, oh, my God. If you love fishing, you need to go out there. I know somebody that leaves from here, goes up to Alaska <laughs> just to fish, and then comes back, and they just give away their fish because it's about the, the act of fishing yes, and not just keeping it all. And so you go up to Alaska. What are you doing up there? I was doing artillery, you know, training, blowing stuff up, you know, enjoying my time out there. My, To be honest, my family actually loved it up there. Yeah. To keep a snow, you know, a snow uniform on my little one was like battling war right there. Because hmm. we try to put it on and she'd take it off right afterwards. Just, But she still loved being there, though. Oh, yeah. Of course. And your wife did, too. Yes. And so after Alaska, where did you go to? Oh, I got moved to uh, Colorado, up in Fort Carson. Okay, well, I would guess that's kind of that that halfway vibe. It's as cold in the winter as yes. uh, Alaska, but it's hot in the summer, I guess. So, how was it there? What were oh you doing my there? god, it was gorgeous there. Are you kidding me? Look, leaving Alaska to Colorado, mm-hmm. not much of a difference, somewhat. But I mean, there were so much things to do down there because you know Alaska, we were in, like dead smack in the middle, couldn't do nothing much. Right? Mm-hmm. But Colorado, you're in a city. There was so much stuff to do down there. And you had the mountains, too. And so did you learn how to do a lot of skiing and I snowboarded in uh, Alaska. Really? Yes. I actually learned how to snowboard there. So you be, once you got to uh, Colorado, you're like, ah, that's old hat, man. I already know how to snow ski and snowboard and all that. Oh, yeah. So you went from there. Now you're in Colorado. And then where from there? It's just It seems like such an itinerant life. Oh, you know, it is. Get used to. And then from there, we moved to Louisiana. Okay. Oh, yeah. Is it is it part of your training just to go from these extremes? 
Well, no, because a lot of it's based off of, you know, cycles. Mm-hmm. You know, we technically we move every three years. You know, at some point you get to choose where you want to go. The other says, hey, you know, I'm here for needs of the Army. They move us where we need to go. But it's an adventure because you're like, man, where am I going next? Now, I, I have to say, in the time you were in the military, Alaska, Colorado, Louisiana, never attacked. You protected us. Yes, sir. Yes, yep. indeed. Not one attack on American soil in any of those states. You did your job. <laughs> Thank you very much. So you end up, you, you went overseas. Yes. Now, was that right after Louisiana? No, no, no. It was my first duty station, to be honest. Remember, I was in Alaska. I was mm-hmm. deployed for two 12-month deployments, mm-hmm. Iraq and Afghanistan. Wow. Uh, those are like the real... Because some people like, oh, yeah, I got uh, deployed to Germany or <laughs> no. deployed to uh, Greece or something. You went to the zones, yes. to the hot zones. And how, how was it over there? At first, you know, the first one was a culture shock because you're not accustomed to their ways. Not a lot of snowboarding. Yeah, I know. I miss the snow. Trust me. Yeah. But the heat down there... Yeah, that hit us by surprise. So how long were you there? No, I was there for 12 months. And you were, did you go into combat? Of course. Because I, I figure everything's combat over no, there, especially no, no. at that time. Not everything is combat. You know, every job is different. You know, my job is artillery, so it's combat. You know, there are other jobs, you know, more support jobs that which are not in, you know, the, the kill zone or whatnot, or like in right there where it's, uh, where they could get hurt or whatnot. Because you got other individuals, you know, we got medic, medical jobs too. We got administrative, you know, legal and whatnot. It just all depends as far as like what job you actually get into, mm-hmm. right? Those are the differences right there. Because again, right there, of course, the misconception everybody assumes that the Army is nothing but combat. But it isn't. But I figured, I mean, if you're in that zone, you, I mean, they're not, uh, you know, selling used cars over there. They're fighting a war in those zones. Yes, but you're safe in those facilities that we have there. And then how many people are backing you up? Do you know, like the kind of, uh, like for every person on the ground, ground pounder, door kicker, there's like, what, 10 people that are backing him up? Do you know oh, what that yeah, that, That's going to vary. Like I said, that's a whole different job right there. It varies as far as teams and numbers and whatnot, you know. So there's never one definitive answer. You know, it's just a matter of who's in your team right there. Did you ever think about maybe a different MOS? I don't know, you know, a different job? Like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm going to leave artillery and get into plumbing. You know, something uh, a little different. Did you ever consider that? No, I didn't. Because, the job, to be honest, I fell in love with my job. The cohesiveness, the training that we did day in, day out, the bond that you build with, you know, your brother or sister to your left or right. You know, doing that job together, because, again, the, the set goal is to accomplish that one mission that you get, you know. And when it comes down to you, especially in artillery, it's like, hey, look, there's a mission coming down. Somebody needs us. You know, our job was very imperative that once we have, we got that mission, it's like, hey, this is life or death right here. Yeah, I got to say that, you know, the fact that you got to think about the fact that you when you get called in to do your job, to do the thing that you've been trained for. It's never for something simple. You know, you are supporting a military action that is happening at that moment where people's lives are on the line every time. Yes, sir. And you wanted to stay in that. You didn't want to maybe try something else out, maybe a little something easier or or maybe just briefly. Maybe did you think about that? <laughs> Actually, no, I didn't. 
you know, because in, in, in retrospect, once you move up into, you know, higher positions and that job right there, mm-hmm. you know, the main focus, it is the job, but it's also the people that you train and mentor. You know, that's why I, I honestly fell in love with my job, because watching these young individuals, you know, you're looking at 17 to like 25 year olds coming in. Right. They always end up on a rotational basis, but you are still there. You're getting older. But the individuals stay the same. Well, maybe older, but you look the same age as when you went in. You still look 21. Just like fine wine. All right. Well, we are going to find out more about that wine. I'm calling an audible. We have a topic coming up about news of the week. But I want to talk a little bit more with uh, Sergeant Hernandez. So we're going to stick with him on the other side of the break. You're listening to News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 KVEC.